welcome back to another episode of What Do We Know with Harry and Jim. I'm Jim Flanagan, joined as always by Harry Rao and our producer James Webb. Hello. Here in the People of Comedy Network podcast studios. Got it right, baby. That was beautiful. Six episodes, 93 takes each, and I finally (laughs) get it right, and then I can't say the number 93 correctly. That's perfect. This is so happy to be here, as always, with my co-host. I'm Jim Flanagan with my co-host, Harry Rao. Harry, how are you today? Good. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say anything, but I was cringing a little bit when you were saying "people of comedy." I was like, "Oh my god, is this going to be correct?" <laughs> Got <laughs> it. Did it. Nailed did it. it. Absolutely. It. James, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. This I'm, is. Uh, I'm a little scared. You a little nervous today? A little bit. This is a big one. So in a little bit, we're going to have a fantastic guest here. Uh, Julie Lesnick is going to be joining us shortly via audio. She's an assistant professor in the Department of Anthropology at Wayne State University, and she's going to she's going to be calling in a little later today to talk to us about eating bugs. We're going to be eating some bugs today, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm terrified at the same time. James is strictly terrified. We'll come back to this. We want to come back to the bugs. We'll talk about it. Uh, we're going to give James a minute to calm down real quick. He's, fine. he's in a lot of pain right now because of this. Harry, how was your week? What have you been up to? Pretty good. Had an eventful weekend. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, so it was my girlfriend's birthday. Uh, I successfully convinced her to not go to Taste of Chicago. Had a boy. Because my last experience there was just uh, shoulder to shoulder, waiting in line for hours to get like a sliver of food for, you know, 10, 20 bucks. Too much money. So instead, what we did was we took a ride on the hog, which is a... Please explain. Did I mention I have a scooter? You did not. You did not. You definitely did not. And I like to call it the hog. Okay. You should mention that part too. So (laughs) we took a ride on the... I guess if you just say I took a... She took Mm -hmm. a ride on the hog. It's my girlfriend's birthday. I took her for a ride on the hog. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't... I can see why now, in retrospect, Mm -hmm. why that might sound a little suspect. Okay. Mm -hmm. A little racy for the beginning (laughs) of a podcast, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm such a racy guy. Um, (laughs) So we took a ride on the scooter, the hog. Mm-hmm. And um, this was our first time, so that was uh, again the first. Okay, first time on the hog. Super. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went. I took her to the botanical gardens, mm-hmm. which was nice. That'd be very nice. Walked around there, and then we went to Ravinia. Ooh, who'd you see? Uh, so we went to see the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. CSO. So we had dinner at the Park View restaurant overlooking the place. Which very was nice. Really neat. Uh, and then I, I bought seats. It wasn't just the lawn situation. Nothing's too good for her birthday. And then we went and sat down, and then it happened. Go on. We. <laughs> what, what happened? There was a guy with B.O. sitting next oh, to us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, smell-o. That's a fantastic callback that was not planned at all. Let me make that very clear. That was completely off the cuff, and that is worth the price of admission for this free podcast alone. It, you know, the thing is, when you sit down next to somebody, well, the thing, you don't know where it's coming from. It takes some investigation, and then you have to wonder, is it me? Like, and is it you? Is it the seat? Do you do the thing where, like, you pretend to look certain directions, but, like, lean into that direction? You're like, oh, what's over there? Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy next to me, they must have thought I was just, like, some kind of creep. I was just like, so how's it going? <laughs> when everyone's throwing their hands in the air while you were you checking the pits <laughs> that's awesome who'd you see oh the cso yeah. and it was a good show and it was a good show but also like you know when you do comedy like you just but you just look at the world in a weird a way differently. and yeah. then that is probably what inspires like as there so there's video there you've been to ravinia i have so we're watching them on stage but they also have two giant screens mm-hmm. and as the camera is panning to each like musician's face I can't just help hearing someone's parents being like, you should have been an accountant. You know, 
are those parents your parents? <laughs> can we can we get to the bottom of this real quick? Well, the, here's the thing: is that then I had to look up like how much they these, make. How much they make? Do you know what they make? What do they make? The average member of the CSO. Makes, real quick, yes. before you do that, um, for how? Okay, let's figure this out. I want guesses from the rest of us. Sure. Um, are we talking annually? So th- now this is the average salary uh, annually of a performer on the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. I'm going to guess $78,000 a year. I have nothing to back that up. Okay. Per person. Are yeah. we talking first chair, second chair? Or okay. So average. I'm saying average. Average. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'll go $78,001. No. <laughs> uh, let's that. do, I'd say, God, 78 a good guess, man. I'll go, I'll go 85000 Okay. Chicago Symphony Orchestra is big It's a big time. one. Yeah. $145,000. Wow. What the fuck are we doing? They're making boys? James Webb money yeah, over there. Right? They might as well open a podcast studio. <laughs> I was floored. I was like, okay, unbelievable. Maybe I should stop being an accountant. <laughs> like, learn the clarinet or something. Yeah, parents are mad at you now. You shouldn't have been an accountant. Wow, that's fascinating. 145 grand yes. a year on average. So some of those people are making easy 200 grand. And they went on strike not too long ago. So I don't know. Can like I'm not going to make a. Uh, I have no idea why they. Were, <laughs> why they were on strike. Um, but this is what I know, just from my brief Google read, is that uh, the average is about 145,000, and it's the highest in the U.S. So they're making more than like the New York or L.A., which just we're by population one, baby. I would think. Yeah, the Atlanta. Symphony Orchestra, on average, take a guess. Seventy-eight thousand uh, dollars. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fifty-five thousand. Thirty thousand. What? Thirty thousand. So it can't be very good. So I guess if you <laughs> I mean, are pretty on the good, better than us. Coast, it's Atlanta money though. You can go far. You think so? Probably. It's a pretty expensive city. I would have thought, but I'm guessing they're probably not traveling as much as the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess I don't know the economics behind what makes what city a more uh, desirable place to have a symphony. I would think it's the draw, right? I think if, if Chicago's known for being a great one. They travel the country doing it. I'm guessing Atlanta probably stays a little more local. I don't think they have the same pull. Not as many people are going to see them. I think that's a lot like comedy in that regard. You were talking about uh, taste. I didn't go to the taste. I did go to Milwaukee Summerfest. I don't know if you've ever been. Have you ever been? Yes. Oh, it's... I performed at Milwaukee All right, Summerfest show once. off. Okay, hang on. <laughs> Wow. All right. So let's, Not as a comic. No, let's as go a back musician. to you. Hi, no, <laughs> oh, no, I fight dragons played there. Yeah, the yeah. wonderful band that you are a part of that also uh, we are borrowing one of their songs for our theme. Um, where, where'd you guys play? Uh, man, this was summer of 2010. Okay. I don't recall. I know that it, it was it was probably later in the day. I mean, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's uh, a huge crowd. venue. It's awesome. The bands are great. Where we screwed up. One of the nights I was there, uh, one of my buddies wanted to hear one of the songs from one of the bands. And uh, there were a few, but we saw um, Sublime, who a couple of their lyrics have not aged well over the last 20 years. Uh, some of their songs have not done well, Sublime great. Sublime lost a member. They did. Really. So it's Sublime featuring Rome, right. uh, who's been there for like 15, 20 years now, and they still, he hasn't been inducted into the band officially. Apparently, they still go by Sublime with Rome. Yeah, they have to say that, I think, legally. That's like, fair. They can't just call themselves Sublime. Okay. Um, but then one of my friends wanted to see one song from one band, and it, and it annoyed me so much because he's like, well, I don't know when they're going to play it. And I'm like, and the band is Semisonic. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. their song is Closing Time. And I was like, I'm pretty sure we know when they're going to play it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, let's watch yeah. most of Sublime, and then, well, what if we miss it? I'm like, they're not going to, they don't have another song. If they, if they play it early, they're probably going to play it again at the end. 
You know what I mean? Like, there's no way you're missing closing time. So we missed part of Sublime to watch part of Semi-Sonic. Um, but it's a really fun venue. I love Summerfest. But I obviously that was their closer, right? Other part of that story. Uh, then some other friends got bored, so we didn't even stay for the end of it. So oh, we shit. Missed, I'm fine with missing closing time. We saw Marcy's Playground. Sex and Candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of Vic Mensa, uh, who's a Chicago rapper. Some Atmosphere. And I'm familiar with Atmosphere and Brother Ali out of Minnesota. So we saw some good stuff. I enjoyed it. Hari, it's a big day. We are going to have a great expert in, Julie Lesnick, again, from Wayne State University. Uh, really into edible insects, as she likes to call it. I call it eating bugs. We're going to eat some bugs today, and we I'm pretty excited about that. Bugs. How do you feel about it, James? Oh, I feel great. <laughs> James Just is terrified. Very happy about this whole situation, uh, and I can't wait to throw up the two burgers I just ate at Burger Fest. Are you, uh, are you a picky eater? No. <laughs> I, will, I will eat anything. You? Me? Yeah. No, Harry, no. I'm have... willing to try anything. Is it okay if I if I just point out that James also brought three plastic bags into the studio <laughs> as just a backup, just in case? James brought us barf bags since we're going to be and made them clear, so that's cool. Because if one of us goes down, <laughs> that means all three of us scouts, are going But to... I should have been. Always be prepared, boys. <laughs> the fact that down. they're clear though means that if one of us throws up, then all of us are going to because ah, you're going to watch shit, it. <laughs> they are clear. Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't. So I don't even like bananas. And I'm going to eat a cricket or something today. I don't know. I don't. I have weird food stuff i don't but i'm this i'm okay with i'm willing to do anything for this podcast as long as this is it as long as there's nothing <laughs> worse than this ever views, baby. uh but yeah no i don't like there, there's so many things i don't like and so this is a little have you ever eaten a bug either one of you that you were aware of no so yeah i've actually tried tried edible insects before uh so i've known julie for a long time and uh, uh several years back she sent me some sample packages of bugs for me to try so i have i kind of know what we're getting into I don't even want to know. I don't think I want to go too much further into However, that. However, I, I will it. say this. I will say this much. What she sent me and what I have now in this bag that uh, James and Jim have not seen yet. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, as far as the visual, totally different. Really? Yes. So here's the thing. You will if, know that you're eating bugs today. Oh, God. So if James wasn't so nervous, I would be. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I need someone to be terrified about this. But since James is, I can play it cool, calm, and collected until Happy those bugs help. get out. Once those bugs get out here, I'm like, what the hell are we doing? Do you have any kind of strange eating habits? Now, when I was a kid, well, first of all, I did eat a bug once. My next door neighbor, Robbie Weimer, um, I was like eight. And, call that kid right out. Yeah, man, I will I will name names <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, made me eat crickets. It made me eat a cricket, like a live cricket. Like, as a bully like, type of situation? He, he, like, I, look, it, it doesn't check out, all right? It, it, <laughs> it, in hindsight, there were a lot of red flags, but there were a bunch of us hanging out, and he's like, oh, I've got this really cool new candy. Everyone's eating it. Close your eyes. I'll give you one. And oh. now, I mean, as a grown-up, I probably wouldn't fall for that. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but I would probably have, like, how good is the candy? And if everyone was, like, really good, you know, maybe. But I was like, no. And, and everyone was like, we all ate it. Close your eyes and eat it. And I was like, okay. And then uh, he put them in my mouth and I started chewing and it was live bugs. Oh. Then eventually his dad's trucking company got really successful and they moved to a really nice neighborhood. And then Robbie and I crashed his dad's golf cart. So I feel like we're even. You, you know go. what I mean? I feel like I got my revenge somewhere down the line. So hope they're doing well. Uh, but that was the. <laughs> but I was uh, as a kid, I was the worst. Like I was the kid who would have to. My parents, but like, you sit there until you finish your meal, and I was like, "Cool, I'm here until it's time for you to send me to bed." I wouldn't eat anything with specks in it. 
I wouldn't eat anything that had like like spaghetti sauce, it's like vanilla ice cream. Like vanilla ice cream, I would eat. That's fine. But okay. well, if it had weird colored specks in it, I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in those days, man, it wasn't. It was just like Edie's. It was just. Yeah. You know what I mean? There wasn't like great ice cream with little flecks of things in it. Now, but um, it was like spaghetti sauce would have like little like black. I would have to like pick all of those out. Do you understand how hard it is to how pick spices out of? How long did it take you to eat a meal? The entire evening. <laughs> <laughs> I would literally, eventually, someone would come back down and be like, fine, go to bed. And I'd still have, like, half a plate of broccoli. You know what I mean? And I would cheat. I would, like, I would take, like, a full swig of pop. We weren't the healthiest. And uh, and then I would, like, put the gross food in. You know what I mean? Like, so I didn't have to taste it as much. But I still wouldn't. I was terrible about it when I was a kid. Well, what was it? Was it? The- I didn't like vegetables. I, I And I'm much better about that stuff now. I, okay. I was the worst. I, w- I was an awful child. I haven't really talked to a therapist about this, so I feel like maybe now I, <laughs> we're having a break. Feel like I yeah, should have before we now. go any further. Yeah. Um, and how does that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> like changing the subject. If I'm being very honest, I'd like to get into our interview. I have one more thing I want to bring up real quick as we're bringing Julie in. Uh, we're bringing Julie in. This is our first time doing an interview remotely. Uh, Julie yes. is kind enough to join us and spend some time with us today uh, via a, a messenger app. Worldwide webs, if you will. Yeah, Yeah, uh, Al Gore uh, was kind enough to invent this thing for us to be able to talk to Julie while she's in Michigan and we're here. Here's what I don't like. Every time you watch a TV show and uh, they have a hotline, everyone has like a sponsor for it and we don't have a sponsor. Hmm. So I feel like, because we probably can't use companies that still exist. That could be problematic for us. I feel like I want to start, I want to pretend we have sponsors that are companies that no longer exist. Legitimize this a little bit. You know, make it sound a little bit better. being totally illegitimate <laughs> like like the Isuzu Motor Company hotline you know what I mean like someone that's no longer in business I want I want like a I want like a fake sponsorship for this we'll work through it yeah I'll sponsored, handle that sponsored by DeLorean there we go the DeLorean Motor Company yeah. making fantastic automobiles from 1981 to 1984 mm-hmm. DeLorean Harry without further ado let's go ahead and bring in our guest expert this week I'm so excited to have her here uh, she's joining us live remotely um, from the uh, from the People of Comedy Network hotline, sponsored by Blockbuster Video. Blockbuster Video, wow, what a difference 20 years makes. Please welcome our guest expert today, uh, <laughs> Julie Lesnick. We're going to open with our segment, three questions. Julie, question number one. Question number one, do you consider yourself an adventurous eater? Ooh, uh, no, I don't personally. Uh, we we talked a little bit in the intro. Uh, I used to be scared of anything with specks in it, so uh, <laughs> I wouldn't eat anything that had anything with it. So uh, bugs are pretty new to me. I would say I'm not adventurous. Hari, I'm willing to try anything once. I used to when I was a kid. I had a problem with like textures with a thing. Like mm. I didn't like orange juice that had pulp in it mm-hmm. and had a slimy texture. I think generally like things that have slimy textures I don't like, but I'm willing to try anything. I will order the lengua tacos. I will not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And question number two, Julie. Question number two. How often do you eat meat? Would you say a couple times a day or do you reduce the meat intake of your diet? I would say minimum twice a day. Yeah, My minimum. lunch and dinner always has meat. Lately, I've been thinking more about uh, tofu, but that's a, that's a different thing. Just thinking about it? Just thinking just about it. <laughs> While I chomp down on that juicy mm-hmm. burger. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way, and I have a feeling uh, we're going to come back to reasons why that may not be such a good idea later on when we come to the answers to this, but I'm, I'm multiple times a day with meat as well. Absolutely. And then question number three. And then when you're choosing a product, whether that might be food or a cleaning product or something, how much does environmental impact influence your decision? Ah, so guilt. Okay. Harry, what about you? 
I have to say, I'm embarrassed to admit, but like almost zero. I wish it was more. I don't even like when I go to Whole Foods and they have like five different like how to separate your. I have no idea like what I'm doing there. <laughs> with, so, with the garbage can, yeah, just, where you have to like put oh, different things in different places. You're like, can we just compost all is of it? Right, is this what, is this belong in this bin or this bin? And then it, I would like to know how I could consider it more. I guess starting there, I should figure out what's recyclable and what's not in a in a more meaningful way. That's fair. I'm probably in the same boat. I mean, if something is laid out in front of me, I will certainly try and make the more conscientious choice. But I feel like I don't go out of my way to always make the conscientious choice. Do you recycle at home? I recycle at home. That's step one. So I I did, but uh, I'm in a condo complex. And apparently uh, people have been abusing the the recycle bin. So they just the waste management just took out our recycle bins. They're just like, nope, you guys don't get this anymore. (laughs) Well, that's not going to make it better. You know, but uh, but so that's where it is there for me. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for being here. Uh, what makes you an expert on the subject of eating bugs? Well, I have a PhD, so that makes me an expert in something. Yeah. But <laughs> and so I say the evolution of the human diet, and I decided that I would focus specifically on the role of insects in our diets, from our early ancestors millions of years ago to today and into the future, thinking, you know, forward-looking for human evolution and what we'll be choosing to eat as the population continues to grow. So I've been studying insects as food sources since about 2006 um, in some capacity or another. And then I think the other thing is that I hosted a conference in 2016 here in Detroit that was the first ever conference here in the U.S. dedicated entirely to edible insects. So I had people from about 13 different countries talking about all different things. So I now have cricket farmers in my social circles and environmental activists. And so I learn a lot from them just kind of as being part of the community. And you've traveled the world studying this, right? Yeah, quite a bit. So my work is primarily in South Africa is where it started. So that's really where I got introduced to the idea of insects as food. Tell me about cricket farmers. That's a term I've never heard before. I'd like to... Because I'm picturing crickets farming, and I'm pretty sure that is not what we're talking about. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it would be the opposite, uh, almost in terms of micro livestock. So the, they are human farmers tending to really tiny little farm animals. And it's, it's a thing. People are making their living off of cultivating crickets to, you know, breeding them for human consumption. So there are facilities dedicated 100% that all of the crickets reared there go into a food stream just for humans. So it means that it's different than a pet food facility. So this kind of standards of cleanliness and everything are different, but a lot of the practices are the same. So in looking to kind of mass rear an insect for consumption um, today, starting with having the infrastructure from the kind of a pet food industry um, was a really logical, easy place to start. Now, Julie, let me back you up. Why is eating insects a good idea? So, well, first off, so many people eat insects. So we don't really here in the United States, but like all across the world, especially in tropical regions, um, it's a natural food for people. So like insects are This is happening today, like as a common practice. Yeah, today. So insects are a human food. Since USA is number one, do you think it's just that they're all behind us? (laughs) We're the best country. So does that mean- Number one means- Mm-hmm, exactly. So that's fascinating. So people all over eat insects except for here in the U.S. And it's not just here, actually. So there's kind of a couple of things. And I don't know how much you want to get into this 
right now. But there's two things. Environmentally, we're in a more northern latitude here, so the environment isn't as suitable for insects like being around. Like think about the winters. If you're hungry, you're not going to really be able to find insects. So there's a latitude component to it. And then two, there's a western culture. So Europe, Canada, here in the US, um, a bias that, that is ingrained in our culture against the idea of eating it as a food. So people are doing it, but what makes it a good idea? To start is really an environmental thing. So we'll come back to those questions, but that is why I asked, you know, why do you ever consider the environment when you're making decisions? Because one of the big things why people are looking to eating insects as an alternative form of traditionally raised livestock is that the amount of resources that go into them um, to rear them are a lot less. So the amount of food to, that the cricket eats for us to be able to get a pound of edible mass from those crickets is a lot less than what it takes to get a pound of edible mass from a cow. So the amount of water, the amount of grain, and then the amount of land they take up or the amount of greenhouse gas emissions they let off. So everything scales down with size when we're t cultivating animals for human food. And so the smaller the animal, the more efficient turnover it is to, to make efficient food for us. And so crickets and other insects represent one of the most efficient ways to get our animal protein. So pound for pound of food, it takes a lot less resources to cultivate, what's the word I'm looking for? Mass yeah. rear? Sure. Yeah, a, exactly. 100% right. What about the nutritional value? So nutritional value of insects is in a lot of ways very similar to traditionally raised livestock, like beef, like chicken. Um, the most important thing being that protein is a complete protein. So. One of the benefits of eating animal protein as opposed to, you know, trying to get it from, you know, other plant sources is that the protein has all of the essential amino acids, which are all of the amino acids we can't make in our body. And so we need to eat them. And so by eating it from animal protein, you get them all in a one-stop shop. And so crickets offer that same thing as cows, as chickens, as pork. How do these mass consumption reared crickets differ from the ones in the wild that my friend made me eat when I was a small child. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I tend to, like, to look at it visually, they are small. They are the little ones that you would see more likely in a pet store that you would feed a lizard. So they're quite tiny. When I think of the ones, at least where I grew up, and I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, uh, I mean, we have those giant black house crickets. And so these aren't those. They're very little. They're more like house fly size, but they're not flying. They're jumping. So they're, they're pretty little. Have you eaten bugs live? Yes, I did. Actually, the first bug I ate was live, but that wow. was, um, and I, the funny thing is I'm a picky eater, so it's really like, in all of this and talking about are you adventurous, I'm not. I got into wow. this because I I disagree. <laughs> did I not you mention, not guys, that, that these are live bugs that I brought here? What? <laughs> Out of my house. <laughs> so I got into this entirely academically. Like, I was just convinced it was an important food source in the past. And I wanted to understand it more. And so I study chimpanzees and how they use tools to extract termites from the nest. And my PhD advisor made sure that I would be able to tell him what it was like to eat termites off of a tool like a chimpanzee um, when I came home from Africa. So I did eat termites live. What? The wow. Yeah. I've never even seen a termite. <laughs> I've seen this. I've watched a lot of David Attenborough. Mm -hmm. So I've yeah. seen the, the... But I've never seen one live. No. And you just, you eat them. If, if something went wrong in your house, you're like, no problem. This is just dinner. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I like my insects to be ethically sourced. Okay. So, and I like them to be 
sourced in a way that I know that they're clean and safe for me to eat. So it's not like I'm, unless it was like the apocalypse, I'm not out there really foraging for insects to consume for a meal. Okay, that's um, fair. I support, I like to support my local cricket farmer. Yeah, but if shit goes down, you're ready. And that's, yeah, the, ready. that's the most important thing. If there's an <laughs> yeah. apocalypse, yeah. Do, you you have a local, yeah. do you have a local cricket farmer? I do, great I do have a local cricket farmer. Um, so Detroit Ento is a startup here in Detroit. And they sell their products. They sell like dry roasted crickets, and then they sell cricket powder. So a lot of times when we're talking about this, we're talking about eating bugs. We just talked about eating them live. Um, but the best way to introduce them in your diet is to eat them in their powdered form. And so you can use that powder, um, substitute it for like a quarter of your white baking flour in pretty much anything, and now you've added a little bit of protein to your muffins or cookies. And so they sell protein powder and the whole dry roast crickets in a couple of stores here in Detroit. When you think about a gram of meat or a gram of crickets, like does one have more nutritional value? Does one have more protein? Does it fit into my keto diet? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. So it is very similar in protein to all the other meats. So it might be a little less, but it's very similar. And then certain micronutrients are higher. So they're actually a lot higher in calcium than other meats. So it's, and then every species of insect you eat is going to have a completely different micronutrient profile. That was going to be my next question because I think when you when you think in terms of eating insects, we're putting them all into one category, yeah. but they're, yes. they're probably a lot different from like a grasshopper to a cricket to yes. uh, a cicada. That is one it, thing that seems that oddly for which I thought was pretty weird. People seem to accept more like you guys are looking at me like this is crazy we're gonna eat some crickets <laughs> but like every 17 years or whatever people around chicago are frying up cicadas really yeah, yeah that's yeah. a thing the cicadas are so interesting it's like the one food that colonial white people adopted when they when they took over this continent so. wow Julie, you can't see this because you're you're obviously joining us on the Handy Andy Hotline. But uh, James, our producer, <laughs> every time anything comes up about eating these bugs, he is just making these faces. He is sighing. He's really terrified I'm here. Fine. So let I'm me. Good. I want to switch gears on that for one quick second. Uh, what do they taste like? So crickets, to me, it's less about their taste and more about their smell. They have kind of a dry shrimp, uh, like if you've ever used dry shrimp in a Eastern cuisine. And so they kind of have a shellfishy kind of aroma, so it comes through a little bit in their taste. Um, but that's it. But that's what they are: is they're they are land shrimp, right? Like that's they're the same freaking thing. Take a shell off a, a shrimp, and now you just like you took the bug part off that shrimp. So there you go, James. They're uh, land shrimp. Do you like shrimp? Yeah. They're all right. <laughs> they're all right. <laughs> Julie, do you go plain? Do you do you use hot sauce? Do you have a preferred condiment for? Do different bu- I mean, like, do you use tartar sauce with some and marinara with others in mm, cocktail? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I am very lazy when it comes to my cuisine. <laughs> and so I tend to eat them in chip form. So I think you guys have some of the chips that I recommended. I think you'll be trying those. But so I tend to eat, uh, I make a really good, what do I make? What do I make? Cookies. I make really good cookies. I make a pound cake. I have a couple of different recipes where I like to put cricket powder in. So that's you- the number one way I eat it. Do you have interesting names for the cookies? Do you call them? No. I, do, I mean, there's chocolate chirp cookies is kind of the like. Chocolate <laughs> chirp cookies. Yeah. That's, but, <laughs> I love it. But here's my thing about the chocolate chirp cookies. So what we do is we tend to make cookies and we go to outreach events, right? And we're like, here, try bugs. But you want a cookie, right? And I have stood up as actively against chocolate chirp cookies because everybody likes chocolate chip cookies. They have a favorite, re- favorite recipe. And you give them one with crickets in it and they're going to be disappointed. So 
I started the cookie recipe I have is like it's a kind of just a sugar cookie, but it has clove, it has cinnamon, it has some coffee in it. It has a lot of strong flavors that help balance the cricket, and it tastes like nothing you've ever had before. So it you don't get disappointed by not getting the chocolate chip cookie you were hoping you were getting. May I also suggest a peanut butter cookie? Ooh. I feel Ooh, like I have not heard that one. See That's good. peanut butter. See? See? See, this is what I bring to the table. He just, I'm the, he just came yeah. up with this right on the spot. I'm the marketing was, guy. Yeah. <laughs> who do you think forged all these relationships for the hotline? I mean, I'm the one. I'm the one who went to Circuit City and got them to sponsor the People of Comedy Network Circuit City Hotline. Circuit City, we'll see you in hell. Best Buy. All right. Um, this is fascinating to me. So this was not a passion project of yours until your PhD. This wasn't something like going, yeah. like you said, it was important to you, but you didn't think it was going to, did you think it was going to become part of your lifestyle? Oh, no, no. So when I, so I got my PhD in 2011. And so the whole time up until 2011, I was studying this entirely for a human evolution purpose. Okay. And if I came across people being like, we should eat bugs to save the world, I thought they were crazy. And so then 2013, the UN, the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, published a couple hundred page book stating all of these cases for why we should be thinking about incorporating insects into our diet for all these environmentally friendly. Like, how are we going to feed the world as, as the population continues to grow? And so let's look at insects as a more efficient alternative. Um, and so with that, I realized, you know, when this got published, I was like, there's, I've been working on this since, you know, for, for almost a decade already. I know a lot about eating bugs. And so now all of a sudden I had, I could take this, you know, very existential, what were they eating millions of years old, years ago question and, and make maybe a positive change in the world. And so I really had a big kind of career trajectory shift at that moment to really start thinking about why we don't eat bugs here as a place to start. Because if, if we're going to add bugs here to, to change the world, to save it, like we got to get over our biases. And so I shifted my research to really start addressing that question. But can you replace like as a meal, like a plate of chicken or, a, you know, a steak with a bug type of meal? Or is it more of a um, supplement? Yeah. That's it, so meat in general can be a supplement. Like it doesn't need to be the center of every meal. And so that, so part of the reason why I ask that question, how often you eat meat, is that if you're already eating a little less meat, if it's not always the hero of the dish, it's really easy to substitute that with cricket. Uh, there are companies that are not so much here in the United States, but in Europe, across Europe, like fake burgers, you know, so kind of your alternative mm -hmm. to your tofu burger, you now have a cricket burger. So there are burgers and, and things like that to try to make it more of a meal. But at this stage, it really fits better as a supplement. And dietarily, it really, it works as a supplement. We don't need as much protein as we think we do. Um, protein, every, I swear, every handful of years, we decide to demonize another food. So in the 80s, it was fat, and now it's carbs. And so protein's the one thing that stood through both of those. And so everybody just thinks if they only eat the protein and avoid mm. the bad fat and avoid the bad carbs, then they'll be good. But that means we're overeating protein. We only need about 50 grams a day, and most people eat about twice of that a day. Are there countries where they eat bugs as their primary protein source? For part of the year, yes, commonly. So one thing that's so kind of wrong about our diet compared to like what I would consider a natural human diet, like studying it from an evolutionary point of view, mm. and then looking at how people in non-industrial countries or in non-industrial regions 
eat food is that food is strongly seasonal. It's always changing. You're eating what's available. So what we have here is we're shipping things in from all over the world and the carbon footprint's going through the roof. Um, and we can have a strawberry anytime you want for, for the most part. So around the world though, like there are seasons where termites are flying in mass and you just go out with a net and you have four days of protein in a net and then you're set. So it, wow. it all depends on what's available and when and where. So now that we've established that it's a good idea because uh, environmentally it's way more efficient to, uh, to farm bugs than it is to farm animals, mm -hmm. and economically it makes sense, how do you uh, normalize this in Western society? And this is something you're actively working on now, right? Yes, it is. And the thing for me is, I actually don't care if you don't eat bugs. James, you can, you have an out. You do not need to eat bugs <laughs> I, for I me. I do. I do need, I'm, it's not for James you. We're going to okay. bully James. They can bully you, so. but for me, it is, don't blame I'm, it on me. I'm going to bully myself yeah, in the Julie's doing playing this. good cop here. Uh, uh, our thank you, Julie, but uh, <laughs> I have to do this for my future children and <laughs> the network in which we are presenting this on. I have to do it. He also right, described so a... Get to you. So also, okay. we did we did promise a, a our sponsor Toys R Us <laughs> live stream <laughs> that uh, we would have video of James. Yeah, now you're getting it. Good work, Harry. Sorry, Julie, yeah. you were saying. No, good. So my thing is actually, if people don't want to eat bugs, it's really really hard to overcome your culture. We were brought up in a culture that told us bugs were icky, and it is hard to retrain your brain and get over that. So I don't. That's a lot to ask of somebody, but. How our brains got programmed that way is when we were young. And so, James, speaking of your future children, it's your future children, actually what you need to do is hold back your disgust reaction. So I know you're in there making tons of faces you know, to, to Hari and Jim, but if you had a child that you wanted to possibly have a more food secure future, you would not make those faces so that they could develop their own choices and not have that programmed in their brain without them choosing to at a young age. Huh. James, might I also recommend uh, like when your child loses a tooth, instead of sticking a dollar under there, stick a cockroach <laughs> underneath the pillow. It's <laughs> a good suggestion. But an ethically sourced one. <laughs> yes, right, of course. A mass-reared one. Yeah. Uh, but actually, to, I think one of the questions you were trying to ask me was what makes them safe to eat, and so I do think that'll help kind of ease your brain um, in this sort of disgust factor, is that... We tend to think of, uh, of insects as this horrible disease vector, right? That they're full of germs. Um, but that's where if you're eating insects that are farmed, they're in a facility that's being cleaned and maintained. And so it's even better so than our traditionally raised livestock. So what we tend to ignore is what the cows in their concentrated you know, feeding operations that are just, uh, the excrement is washing through the fields to the roads and they're sitting in that and then they go and get butchered. But crickets, they like poop like fluffy powder. So it's easy to keep them cleaner and and then you cook them and you get rid of any extra, you know, germs. So wild foraging is where I really caution people because you don't know where those bugs have been. Sure. <laughs> but if you're getting them from a, a facility, especially like I like recommending places, like I know if you get Entomo Farms from Toronto, you're dealing with um, a family-owned operation, and I know those people personally. But if you just order just a random crickets off the internet, they're probably picked out of a field somewhere in Thailand and being shipped here. And so it's I like to try to source them and know where they're coming from. Is it cost-effective to replace other proteins with bugs? Oh. So here's the tricky one, because this has very little to do with the protein itself and more to do with government. So 
it's a can of worms I don't want to get into too much, but it basically comes down to what's being subsidized. And so for farmers of cattle, the corn they're feeding them, they're essentially getting free from the government. And then whatever they don't, you know, then there's these different programs that if they aren't able to create a yield enough, the government, you know, gives them money to so that they get to a certain rate of income for that year. You know, it, it helps for those seasonal droughts and things. For a bad year, the government can kind of pad it for you. None of that exists for cricket farmers. And there isn't a lobbyist. We don't have the money in our industry to fight big beef and, and try to get money, you know, from the government channeling away from them and towards us. So it's a tough road to get to where it's actually cheaper. Um, but the one thing that, that insects and crickets do is that you could farm them yourself. You could have an at-home cricket farm, kind of like backyard chickens, and really take control of your own protein intake. So obviously this is something that's a big part of what you're doing, right? We've, we've touched on that a little bit. How are you doing that? What are the steps you guys are taking to make this more, um, first of all, reduce the stigma and make it more available for people? It, it's amazing just outreach events. So like I said, the amount of times I've been places where we've made cricket cookies to try to get people to try them. Um, I go and give talks, very similar, give all the information I'm giving you guys, and then offer snacks. And the nice thing that we, I've seen in just doing this for the five years I've been doing it or so is that when I first started doing it, nobody had heard of this. And now by the time five years down the road, now when I get there, a lot of people have heard the basic bullet points that insects are an environmentally friendly alternative, that people all around the world eat insects and we're kind of the weird ones in some ways. And so a lot, just getting that knowledge out there, to me this is a long game. We, to me it's the next generation who's really going to make the change and we're just trying to set the stage. Well, hopefully by joining us here on the Plymouth Motors Hotline, we're able to help get that outreach to more people. Plymouth Motors, making great cars since 1928 till 2001. It is really surprising to think that just five years ago, people hadn't heard of uh, the, the benefits of eating insects. I have to imagine, you know, going back years that people have tried. Is it just a matter of perception that that's caused it to fail? Or is there new, I don't know, technologies and and farming that have made this now more accessible? People have definitely tried before. Um, And I think there's two things that have really kind of changed this time. So like to why I think this might actually stick. One is the UN getting behind it and actually saying something and pointing out this as a as a healthy and environmentally friendly resource. But two, the internet. I mean, all of my edible insects community, the way I got 200 people in Detroit a handful of years ago was from the internet. And, and so that's where people are learning. And so if I'm writing an op-ed or a blog and it gets shared, then the friends of friends are starting to learn a little bit more about insects. And so now we have this way of sp- spreading memetic information in a way that wasn't possible before and so people are learning when that info wouldn't have been available to them just you know if they were just going to school and in a closed knowledge community wow so it truly is a global movement now and do you see it uh, do you see it growing absolutely i would so you asked me about traveling the world i was in china last year for insects feed the world conference and so i don't know how many countries were represented but there's a huge movement in northern europe you know we have our own organization here which is the North American Coalition of Insect Agriculture. So all the cricket farmers and entrepreneurs um, have banded together to try to figure out how to make this, a, a, you know, a sustainable field and industry because everybody's in it together. And we need the, you know, we need the nation's ideas to change. We need more people to get on board. And so little individual cricket farmers aren't going to be able to do that. So we have these organizations that are bringing everyone together. 
Are there certain bugs that you shouldn't eat? Oh, that's a great question. So in going to wild foraging, which is something I generally don't advise, but in wild foraging, it's very similar to foraging for mushrooms. You have to know what you're looking for. There are ones that are poisonous and can really make you sick. Um, and so there's a, a basic level of education that's important before you go out wandering the woods and eating bugs. Um, in general, brightly colored bugs are trying to warn you. They're going to have some sort of venom or poison. Um, hairy bugs are not going to be enjoyable because they tend to get um, they tend to be spiky and, and are there to irritate your your mouth so just kind of with those two things like when you think of what's not colorful and what's not hairy beetles are really good termites are really good so yeah so those are very basic rules but again if you get stuff from uh, mealworms and crickets are being farmed at scale for human consumption so those are both great uh, mealworms being a beetle larva I don't think people realize that and so beetle larva is probably the most consumed bug around the world Bugs just generally eat plants. Is that? Uh, they can eat all sorts. So, like ants are omnivores. Ants, you know, a lot of bugs are part of the detrivore system where they break down dead matter and put it back into the soil. So, ants eat meat and like will will help decompose things. And clearly, flies and you see maggots on dead animals. And so, there are definitely bugs that eat meat. Uh, but grasshoppers, crickets, like clearly eat a vegetarian diet. Um, and so that makes them appealing for that reason. So that's why I had wondered, are there certain bugs because of what they eat that we shouldn't eat? Like, I don't know, do bugs eat poop? Are there feces consuming? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a thing, right? Um, so like, Not the ethically sourced ones that we're about to eat. James yeah, exactly. is squirming like crazy. <laughs> so I'm trying, you, you I pulled can't... these out of the toilet, James. So... <laughs> Good. Sorry. Um, I, I did not it... then. I mean, you made me think of a dung beetle, right? So a dung beetle. Oh, it's yeah, like, right in the name. It's poop, and like they they do their whole like reproduction. They like build little homes in this poop, and they mate there, and they have babies. Um, and those are big, meaty beetles. And so, yeah, they're eaten. So I mean, it's you got to clean them. You know, I wouldn't go out and eat it straight out of the poop, but somebody might. And you and if people if there are people out in the world that wild forage and put those bugs right in their mouth, it's because they have the gut microbiome established to beat the normal pathogens that are in their environment. And so that bug walking through poop is part of the normal pathogens of their environment. And so we can't do it. We have incredibly sterilized microbiome. Like we've killed it with antibiotics and we don't eat enough diverse foods to like keep it variable. And so in other parts of the world, eating bugs straight off the ground isn't much of a problem, but we might get sick. So what no, the bug eats isn't necessarily an indicator of what uh, what you can and can't eat. But there's no. other things such as, like you said, like very colorful bugs or hairy bugs yeah. that and might be poisonous. They, yeah, and what they eat is going to impact their nutritional. So if they're eating, so there are certain termites that actually eat soil. And because they're eating soil, they're getting a lot of micronutrients. They're getting the minerals from the soil. So those bugs are really high in micronutrients. Um, so what they're eating can affect their nutritional value. But the one thing I did want to mention is in sort of disease vector, how disease works like zoonotic, which is the transfer of disease from humans or from animals to humans, those disease transfers happen easiest when you're most closely related. So when you're eating mammals, you're more likely to get disease because they're more closely related to us. But when you're eating insects, a much more distantly related order of organisms from us, the disease transfer is a lot less. Is that why we don't eat people? There are, there are some issues. Cannibalism is a whole different lecture. Okay, I'm so, so. sorry. That's I, off the rails. <laughs> no, that, that's really interesting about that, that we're actually less likely to get disease from eating insects yeah. because people equate insects with disease, I think. 
So that yeah. that in itself is not it's not correct. Yeah, it's true. And and truthfully, the number one cause of animal caused death for humans in the world is malaria, which is transferred from insects. So like, okay. there's a lot of reasons why people hate on bugs. Um, but the reason why we get malaria from the mosquito is because it's transferring blood from an, a different animal, and it so it, it's not actually the the bug is just the vector. Um, and we're actually getting the malaria from the other animal that had it. So it's hard. I mean, disease vectors are an incredibly complicated thing, but for the most part, they're not carrying the diseases that are going to be the most harmful to us. Are there health benefits for humans to eat bugs? I mean, the benefits are just, you know, good nutrition, more variation in your diet means the more variable your gut microbiome is, and that just generally there's so many links that people are linking it to cancer, and like all different health risks are now being traced back to a healthy gut. Um, so there's lots of benefits. So, uh, and that gut microbiome one is, is kind of an exciting emerging field of study right now. Mm. That's fascinating. Yeah, I just read something about how gut health and mental health are, are the comorbidity aspect of it. They're very, very well connected. Yeah. It's an ecosystem, right? So, like, we tend to think of our human selves as being on this tower so much better than everything else. But we actually have millions of things living inside of us that allow us to live our daily lives. And without them, we wouldn't be able to function. And so investigating those, like, we are the, our own little world in this ecosystem for all these other bacteria and other, you know, living things um, has really changed how people are understanding human health. That's fascinating to me. Uh, you've been a wealth of information already, and we haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. Uh, Julie, you know Hari Rao is a man who likes a good controversy. <laughs> so what we're going to do now is my favorite segment, because I never know what we're going to do. Here's Hari with Hari's Hot Button. Oh, shit, they're coming. Oh, shit, they're here. Oh, shit, everybody run for your lives. Ooh, that's hot. Why we let you do this? I have no idea. Every week, Hari gives a weirder and weirder introduction to Hari's hot button, and I love it. It's controversial. It certainly is. <laughs> it is it's, I feel like a lot of people are on the same side of it. I think when you have controversy, when you think of controversy, you think of sirens. <laughs> you think of running. You think they're after us. You think of you yelling, oh shit, over and over again. In and then you, then you calmly saying, ooh, that's hot. Oh, I love it. What is the, the hot button issue that is uh, being dealt with in the world of eating bugs at this point? Julie, is there something specific that, uh, that, that people go back and forth on? So if it, in thinking of the hot button issue, I was trying to think of if I've ever argued with anyone about eating bugs. Like on the internet, have I ever gotten into a good old internet comment brawl? And it was with a vegan. And so my hot button opinion idea here, and I'm not alone in this, is that insects are a beneficial addition to the vegan diet. That's interesting. Do they still think? Do some still think of them as animals? Yes. So there. So the hard thing with this is like nothing's cut and dry, mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of people there's different philosophies around why you're vegan, and so for some people it might be like quantified by number of lives killed, and so if if that's how you quantify your impact and you're trying to minimize it, eating hundreds of crickets in a single <laughs> meal not going to work. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are calculating it based on just overall animal welfare or experience of pain, um, crickets are, they like dark cramped, place, dark cramped spaces naturally. So farming them is not putting them in an environment so tragically different from their natural environment. And they also experience very minimal pain. Most often they're killed by 
freezing, and so you, they go into a natural state of kind of hibernation or torpor, and then they naturally die from there. So the pain is minimal. And so a lot of the things that people look at to why they don't want to eat animals, insects actually don't fall into that, especially if you're eating them you know, reared um, ethically from a farmer. The other thing I like to point out is an, another issue right now with insects as food that people are worrying about in, in terms of environmental impact is biodiversity. So insects are being kind of more affected by climate change in reducing numbers of species more than other sorts of animals. Hmm. Um, and so if we start all of a sudden eating, if Americans who had not been eating insects all of a sudden are eating insects, how is that going to impact biodiversity that's already trending problematically? And the thing is, is again, if you're eating the reared crickets from a cricket farmer, you're not affecting the biodiversity. But the positive impact is that if you're eating reared crickets instead of tofu that came from soy, which was produced in a field full of pesticides that killed who knows how many natural insects, mm -hmm. you're actually doing better for the environment and for animal ethics. So the, it, it, when vegans are so dogmatic on just like you can't hurt a living thing, they tend to ignore the other um, aspects of harm, which might be biodiversity. Or if you're demonizing meat so much as a food, you're making it unavailable to people who might not have other options um, and, and making them feel bad for what they need to eat. And so the, there is actually groups of people that consider themselves ento-vegan, who do not eat dairy, do not eat eggs, do not eat meat, but they eat bugs. Because I feel like of these be, reasons. I feel like it'd be a great alternative for those people. So, but you mentioned the number of species being depleted. Is there like an endangered insect species? Like, so like a koala bug out there that like <laughs> you're protected? Um, I'm sure there is. I mean, you most often hear about bees. Everybody's worried about the bees and our pollinators. Um, they're being <laughs> In my circle, I forget okay. that I live in Sorry. a bubble. Um, in my bubble, a lot of people are worried about bees. <laughs> um, and, but so there are the, a lot of the pollinators that we need to be able to have fruit on our trees um, are being negatively impacted by pesticides in our fields. This is fascinating, Julie. Uh, we want you to hang on the line. I think it's time for us hang to hang on bugs. the uh, Borders books. <laughs> there he goes. Live oh, stream feed. Got it. I think it's time for us to to eat some bugs, Julie. You, you mind hanging on with us for this? Yeah, I'd love to stick around. All right, Hari, let's break them open. Okay, here we go. So Hari has a sealed bag. It's not clear, unlike the bags that James brought down. So we can't see anything. I'm going uh, to... Go ahead. I'm well, gonna... actually, there are three packages, and there's three of us. So why don't we... Uh, I just hand them out randomly. Great. Okay. Do we have to eat they're a whole package? <laughs> no, I thought we'd try... Well, we can share. Okay. We can share, you know, sort of tapas style. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but they're, they're all crickets. Plates. Uh, but they're all different uh, um, flavored. Can so we, maybe to ease James wait, and I'll get... Wait, there's right. flavors? Yes. Can we discuss oh, this yes. first? Okay, so <laughs> what we have here, we have uh, sour cream and onion crickets, <laughs> salt and vinegar, and bacon and cheese. Oh, like they're Lay's potato chips or something. They just just have different flavors of bugs? Julie, is that normal? <laughs> well, yeah, you did not get those from the sour cream and chive farm of bugs. <laughs> Um, those tend to be a seasoning that's sprinkled on top. I'm that's sorry fair. to disappoint. They don't season oh. them while they're alive. <laughs> and Julie, just so you know what we're eating, I ordered them. They're called Crickets. Yes, okay. I'm familiar. 
Okay, James, uh, which do you want? What's your flavor? What's the, what's the orange one? Pick your poison. Bacon Hopefully and not cheese. literally. Give me the no. orange. Bacon and cheese, salt or, okay. and vinegar, or sour cream and onion. Take then, Harry, I'm going to do sour cream and onion. I hope. Are you okay with salt and yeah. vinegar? You picked them. I don't know. Absolutely. I feel like... Okay. I'm very adventurous with food. I really want to... salt and vinegar. Wow, this is weirder now. And I lo- there's like a little gnat in front of me, and I'm like freaking out. I'm about to eat a bigger bug, and there's a gnat, and I'm like, get away. I want everyone to really focus on their heads and legs and really okay, realize hang on. that Let's is- not. Uh, James. This is fascinating. First of all, there is nutritional information on the back of these because obviously these are ethically sourced. These are well done. Everything is, is going right here. Uh, this entire package of crickets is 4.3 calories. Wow. That's not bad. 0.15 grams of fat, 0.67 grams of protein. So, Julie... For you to get, like, so that's why they're more realistic as a supplement right now, because you would literally have to, to get your 50 grams, you'd have to eat about 30 bags of crickets, according to these nutritional facts. What is the net weight on your package? Net weight of the package? One gram. One gram. During the gram, and you're getting, so it's all one gram per one, though, look at that. Of one gram of food, you're getting 0.67 gram of protein. Like, that's a lot of protein in that bug. Yeah, well, it's a lot of crickets in the bag. So I think there's (laughs) two ways to look at this. Uh, Yours is certainly correct. Mine is the one that I'm going to stick with right now. (laughs) Oh, and uh, in the back, there's a diagram, sort of like how you can can look at different cuts of beef. Uh, With the crickets, we have the rump. The drumstick, the flank, uh, the wings, and the breast. So, it also calls crickets the other green meat. Julie, what's the first green meat? Soylent. Um, <laughs> well played. Oh, this is so. Are we just gonna? Are we gonna go one by one and try one? I feel like James is being tortured the longer he waits. James, do you lead off? Right, who's I, going first? With I'll, one cricket. Yeah, like no one has to eat first. the whole bag, but we're gonna each try one cricket. I think we've all okay. agreed upon this. Have you have you been around a lot of people as they ate their first cricket? Oh, so many. Yeah. And how do people normally react? So I would say a lot of times the reaction is very minimally to do with the bug itself. It's the okay. preconceived like thing that you've had built up in your head and it just explodes out because you can't contain it. But it and then you go for the site and then it tends to be like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Well, James has been medicating for a bit, so I feel yeah. like he's going to be okay. Yeah, this is bacon and cheddar. Bacon and cheddar cricket. Also, don't hold. Like, remember that this is not, like, Dorito, like, blended seasonings. Like, this is cricket seasoning. So, like, try to not hold that against the bug. Is there actual bacon on this bug? Because I feel like that would ruin the point. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, there he goes. A swig of Evan, Evan Williams and then a cricket. <laughs> he's still with us. He's still alive. It's like Cheetos. It's like Cheetos. James. <laughs> These are dope. James just bounced wow. back. James just downed oh, the rest of the bag. Wow. Do we not get to try bacon and cheddar? No. You can mind, baby. <laughs> James just ate the rest of the bag of crickets, Julie. He went from oh, vomit bag nearby to just... Uh, Dude, to these are great. These are dope. These All are right. great. He, Here we go. down the whole package. No. Sour cream and onion. I'm going to okay. go next. You okay with that? Hold on, hold on. Let me All get right. Okay. Uh, Julie, I'm about to on camera eat a sour cream and onion cricket, and this is entirely your fault. And You're welcome. if anything bad happens to me, I need you to understand that you did this. Here we okay. go. All right, sour cream and onion cricket. Here we go. Down the hatch. Crunchy, very crunchy. Um, not the worst flavoring, right? Feels kind of weird because I just felt a leg. You know what I mean? I just felt that there was a leg on my tongue, and I don't feel good about that part at all. Um, but they do. They get stuck in your teeth sometimes. It's just they like, do get stuck in your teeth sometimes. Yeah. And uh, 
That's weird. Okay. But you don't need a whiskey chaser? Oh, I, I, I'm just going to have a little bit of, uh, of uh, iced tea. <laughs> Ooh, to try and wash that bug down. Um, okay. I'm not going to go James Webb about it. I'm not going to eat the whole bag out of nowhere, but uh, I, I wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. All right. Harry, did you get any? Uh, did you get any unflavored? Did you get any of the just bug us? chips? No, no. You did uh, not get bug chips. I just got the crickets, and I'm gonna try it here. Here we go. Harry's hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just here. We go. You didn't even let us record it. Oh no, I got it, baby. Okay, good. <laughs> I got the salt and vinegar. Harry's just like, I'm hungry. I'm gonna grab a couple of these. I, I, I think they could have gone easier on the salt. I think. Okay. Cricket quality, I think, is pretty good. Cricket quality, these are better crickets than you've had in the past. Let me uh. Let me try your. Um, you want to try a sour cream and onion? I got go. a couple eyeballs left in here. If you guys want some, oh god, some bacon have and a how, have a uh, right. a salt and vinegar. Oh, and this is the uh, what is this? The Let's sour cream and onion. It's less disgusting tasting than I thought, but again, the the fact that these are dried crickets and there are legs and these remind me of. Uh, kind of like these. It's uh, like Why? eating a peanut at Wrigley. Oh, like the I kind disagree. of the, the feel. Well, yeah, like cracking no, a peanut yeah. with your tooth. Uh huh. It's kind of got that texture. Well, if Julie has anything to say about it, when you go to Wrigley in the future, you're going to be getting a packet mm. of these. Uh, bugs here. Yeah. Get well, your bugs. The Mariners had for a while. I don't know if they're able to get them this year, but Chapulines are grasshoppers from Mexico, and they sold them at Seattle Mariners games, and Seattle they would sell Lord. out every game. Wow! And really? they sold out every game. Yep. I just if they didn't look so the bugs sold better than the Mariners I think <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't look like dead crickets I wouldn't be you know oh I I, I purposely got the kind that look like the the insect why yeah. you you want to feel like you overcame something you eat a right. burrito that has crickets in it you didn't really do much disagree but I understand what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't as bad as I thought it would be I will absolutely give you that this could have been much worse. Well, and I think one of the things that we tend to think of is we tend to think of them as raw and alive, and we forget that they're food and need to be cooked and can be flavored with whatever you want to put with it. So we can make it look like food that we're comfortable with. The way I suggest people eat them most um, if they want to eat whole crickets is a taco. So the, the meat of the taco isn't the hero. It's the guacamole and the salsa and everything. So you make something delicious, and, and you just change out the protein. Well, that, that brings me to uh, actually some questions I had about eating mm -hmm. and James was going to ask earlier. Can you just pick up a cricket and eat it? I wouldn't. You could, yes. But um, it, you generally don't eat an apple straight off a tree either. Like you tend to clean it and such. So I would suggest proper precautions. But So you can possible. eat it. Uh, you can eat bugs raw. Just yes. clean them off. In, and like, a lot of people do. A lot of people do around the world. Hmm. How do you think, like, these crickets, uh, they are pretty gross to look at, and uh, how do you think they are prepared? I mean, obviously they're seasoned, <clears throat> but they're very brittle. Um, yeah. You guys probably heard us chewing, and I apologize to any audience members who <laughs> just heard us chew bugs. Uh, but how do you think they prepared? Do you have any it, guesses? Those, those tend to be dry roasted. Okay. Um, so one of the hardest things for me when I'm bringing them to events is that they are really dry, and so having water or something is is usually the if you don't have water people have a much more negative reaction to the bugs um but if they have something to wash it down beer beer pairs wonderful with bugs so having something because a lot of times they are dry roasted julie when we think about like the barriers to making eating insects to be uh, just accepted as a regular part of diet uh you had mentioned earlier as we were talking about uh topic points that uh the history of north america mm. Can you elaborate on that a bit about why, like, the, the, the history in the U.S. 
has kind yeah. of propagated this fear of eating insects. Yeah, and I think that's a great, thanks for asking, because I do think one important thing that helps people get over the kind of fear and disgust is to learn why we even have the fear and disgust. And and a lot of times people think that that's, it must be real, it's in my stomach, I can feel it, I am trembling, it must be real, so it must be biological that bugs are bad. Um, but the truth is, is that it kind of gets developmentally programmed into us from our culture. So as kids, we experience people having disgust reactions, and it gets programmed in us. But where that programming comes from is our Western culture. And so if you think about it, think about Christopher Columbus, right? In 1492, he's up in Europe, and Europe is not a good environment for insects. You know, there's big parts of the year where insects are not available as a food source. And so for lots of reasons, there may have been some insects in the history of European diets, but by 1492, I think they're mostly absent. And so now Columbus travels and crosses latitudes in a way that nobody had ever done before. Ends up in the Caribbean with indigenous tribes of people who were eating insects. And this was mind-blowing. All associations of insects as food would have been maybe for animals to eat them or associating it with spoiled food. The Europeans at the time had never really thought what it would look like for humans to eat insects. So indigenous and, people were eating insects here in North America? Absolutely. Yes. All across the continent. And and so what we get in that interaction is Columbus sees an indigenous tribe that is very welcoming, very calm, does not have weapons. And what Columbus is looking for is slaves to start his sugar plantation. And so one way you can convince an entire kind of continent of people to enslave um, people for this industry is to paint them like beasts to make them animal-like, to talk about them like they're not human. And part of that narrative included that they ate bugs. And so ever since then, people in Europe who may never have witnessed this themselves only have the narrative that people eat bugs if they're primitive, if they're savage, if they're animal-like. And nobody wanted to associate themselves with that. And so all of a sudden, bugs became very disgusting and gross and ingrained in our culture as a bad thing. Wow. Absolutely fascinating. How often do you get people to try bugs for the first time? Like when you're at these events, are, are people pretty open to it? Yeah, and um, most people, I mean, the I would say it's probably 50-50 with adults. Um, kids are really adventurous and want to try, which is really fun to watch. They'll tend to, I've seen more than once, like a parent come and be grossed out, and then they leave the table, and the kid goes with them, and then the kid kind of circles back quietly and then gets bugs on their own and then goes <laughs> goes off and meets their parents. So uh, you get, But you get all the reactions. You get people that can't even look at them. Um, and that's where it's like, I'm not trying to ruin your day. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to do it. Um, but here, please take an informational packet. Yeah. Do you get excited for bugs? Like, no. Are you like, oh, we're going to have <laughs> we're gonna have crickets Thursday? <laughs> I don't. You know, like, they haven't fit into their di into my diet the way that pizza has. It's just nothing is going to, you know. So I hope I'm waiting for what we really need are great chefs and food scientists to make something that's amazingly delicious that, you know, the thing I get excited for are my cookies. My cookies are damn delicious. And they don't taste like anything else, but they definitely taste a little bit like cricket. And if those were available at Starbucks, I would buy one every time I got a coffee. Really? Yeah. Julie, do you think in the future, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but remember this is being recorded and I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> Uh, Can this I make is all... cookies? Do you think, yeah, and, and I'm asking on the uh, Howard Johnson Hotel hotline so everyone knows <laughs> that this is real. Do you think that maybe next time you see Harry, you might be able to send a cookie for the three of us? Yeah, 
I could probably do that. So I haven't made them in a while, so it's probably about time. I do have some of those chirps that I wanted you guys to try, the chirps chips. Ah. Um, so maybe I'll send you a care package. That would be That'd awesome. Be wonderful. I'm so thrilled. This has been fascinating. I've learned a lot um, in a bunch of capacities. Let's go. Let's go jump into our last segment. Three answers. When we come back Ooh. to the three questions from earlier. So, are you an adventurous eater? I'm changing my answer to yes. I mean, I just I just ate crickets. James just downed a box well, of crickets. I was most impressed by the way James handled that. Because uh, given how he was feeling before leading up to this, like he had the he had the bags ready to go in case he felt sick. He had whiskey with him to sure <laughs> as a chaser. But then he just downed the whole package, and it was like no big deal. They were good. Yeah. So when it's good, you got to go for the it. Flavoring's you know? not the worst. It's no. just the feeling of the legs. And I feel like between the three of us, James probably he watches his diet the most. I feel yeah, like he counts these proteins fit and carbs within a, the window very well. So this is good. I could probably eat this supplementary for the foreseeable future, honestly. It's good stuff. Good. Uh, Julie, now let me ask you this, because you, you referred to yourself as a picky eater. Now, do you consider yourself an adventurous eater? Oh, no. No. <laughs> Still not? I, I'm not. I mean, I eat bugs because, like, it was the prison I made for myself. Um, <laughs> but, so I, I'm really not an adventurous eater. I'm a picky eater. But the one thing I am is uh, easily guilted. So... Like I said, because I'm an anthropologist, because I travel the world, if I'm in someone's home and they make me something that I wouldn't normally eat at home, if it's rabbit, if it's bugs, whatever it is, I'm going to graciously take it. Um, so because of that, I've developed really good mental kind of steel to be able to eat anything that's put in front of me. But I don't enjoy it. Like, it's not a thrill for me. <laughs> so, I uh, did not expect that to be your answer. I have to be honest. I thought you were going to come in here and tell us how amazing it is. And you're like, no, this is just part of my job. <laughs> Julie, for question two, for question two, you asked us how often we eat meat, and I said probably at least twice a day for with lunch and dinner. Uh, I eat a banana most mornings, which is probably mortifying to, to it's gross. Jim. Pretty gross. <laughs> um, how about you? What was your answer? A couple times a day, also. I try and not have it for breakfast, also, and then lunch and dinner. Um, I'm, I'm guessing there's a reason you asked us this. I think is what it comes down to. Do you? So, actually, if we can get through all three, I'll ask you why I answered. I'll tell you why I asked all three. Oh, okay. All right. It. Cliffhanger. Uh, so, you asked us a question number three. Uh, when choosing a product, how much does the environmental impact influence your decision? And for me, I said I wish it was more, uh, but I'm kind of – I'm really dumb when it comes to, like, what's recyclable, what's not. Like I said, when I'm at the Whole Foods and trying to split up everything into the several different bins, I'm like, yeah. I want to do it, but – you're not I, quite I'm not quite sure. Yes. Jim? Same boat. I think we kind of talked about that earlier. Um, yeah, I think that uh, – but, again, this certainly shows that there are, uh, there are good reasons to do this. Julie, let's, let's get to you. How, why, why Can you tell us a little bit about why you asked us these three questions? Yeah, so really quick, my answers to them is that we've covered – I'm a very picky eater, so I'm not adventurous, uh, but I do not eat a lot of meat. There's many days of the week where I have no meat in my diet. And when choosing a product, the environment is something I strongly consider when I'm shopping. And so the reason I asked this is there was actually a published study a few years ago that showed that if you answer, if you have two of three of these qualities, you are more likely to adopt bugs into your diet. So although I am not an adventurous eater, I'm the other two, and those are strong reasons for, to convince me that bugs are a good thing to add to my diet. And so I like starting with these questions because if you answer two yes to any of those questions, to two of those three, whichever pair they are, um, you're more likely to open your mind to 
eating bugs as part of your diet. Can I, can I just also say that there's a tiny little bug flying around my face right now, and I almost just stuck my tongue out. To... Oh, that's gross. I was, like, swatting it away. There's, like, one gnat in the studio, and I was swatting it away, and Hari's going frog on it. He's just ready to – you've got him full bore on this. I could be yeah. con- definitely convinced to do it more. Depends on how, like, and what what's the vehicle for it? I don't know if I would just grab a handful of crickets. When I'm driving a lot, I eat a lot of pistachios. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could replace those mm-hmm. with. It's going to take a lot of crickets, though. If this whole package <laughs> is four and a half calories, I mean, they're guilt free. You know what I mean? You don't have to. You don't have to put them into your My Fitness Pal app or anything. You don't <laughs> have to. You don't have to let anyone know. But that that's a lot. Um, yeah, no, that's this is fascinating. Julie, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to, to join us and, and spend so much time with us. I'd like to ask you real quick, Julie, tell me a little bit about the work you're doing coming up. Is there anything we can help you plug today? Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to talk a little bit about our project. So my husband, Charlie, and I are launching a project that we call Octopus and Ape. And it is started as my science communication nonprofit um, outreach endeavor. I wanted to make science a little bit more accessible. I think people, we when we learn science in school, up through high school, we're just kind of like cramming it and just memorizing facts and having to spit them back out. But when you revisit that as an adult and you kind of have more worldly knowledge and you kind of see bigger pictures easier, you kind of learn how cool science really is. Like photosynthesis is really amazing, but God, it was awful to take that test. And, <laughs> and so part of my science communication ideas was to, to kind of show how these things that we may never have explored as adults that we learned as kids are really fascinating and, and you know, it, it's fun and we should think about it more. Um, and so how we've decided to do it is that my husband is starting a business that's a production company, event planning, um, interior design and architecture. And so we're going to use sort of the work he does and bring that in podcast form out to the public. Um, we're going to go around and talk to scientists and go in their homes and talk about how they decorate it and help them and get stories about their research and why objects are important to them and talk about material culture. Um, so a little bit of anthropology, a little bit of science, and present it on Instagram as beautiful design photos and just kind of use it as a vehicle to sneak science into some people's lives. That sounds awesome. I love it. And where can you find it? Is that octopusandape.com? Yes. And so we're looking to start really starting this, um, the podcast, and starting taking design clients in 2020. Awesome. All right. And then you have another website. You ran a blog for a little while on this subject. Is that correct? Yeah. So my kind of academic uh, edible insects work is mostly cataloged on entomoanthro.org. So entomophagy anthropology is what that stands for. So entomophagy is, being our fancy word for eating bugs. And that is E-N-T-O-M-O-A-N-T-H-R-O.org? All right. Hey, Julie, I, again, I can't thank you enough for being here. Um, and, and Charlie, thank you for hanging out as well. We really appreciate your guys' time and, and all the knowledge and, and information you gave us today and getting us to try eating bugs. James, how you feeling? You still all right? You holding them down? I'm good, man. Okay, good. I, I'm uh, so proud of you, James. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's all you wanted. I was doing this. I said I wasn't doing it for you. I was. <laughs> it means a lot. James had an epiphany. Day, I think he really did. Oh, this is great. I got to work these guys in somehow. You got to find a way. You yeah. got to put them into your put them uh, in my shakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cricket shakes. Yeah. Oh yeah, protein powder in in shakes in the morning is. My friends in the industry, the most they consume bugs is adding them into protein shakes. I don't drink shakes. I like having toast and stuff in the morning. But if I did, I would do the cricket powder. Hell yeah. 
Awesome. Well, again, Julie Lesnick, the uh, assistant professor in the Department of Anthropology at Wayne State University, entoanthro.org, octopusandape.com. Thank you again for joining us on the Venture Hotline today. We just can't uh, thank you enough for spending your time with us. Uh, we know, you know, again, just uh, <laughs> you taking the time to join us. Uh, we had some scheduling snafus, and we just really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us Thank today. you so much, Julie. This was really fascinating. You're very welcome. This was fun. Hey, what a great interview. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Julie Lesnick, uh, assistant professor in the, apartment, in the Department of Anthropology at Wayne State University, and a pal of yours, Harry. She was a great guest. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, just a little backstory for our listening audience. Uh, we disconnected with Julie. We are now having a little bit of uh, Evan Williams whiskey to kind of wash away the bugs. Uh, James decided to have his ahead of time to, to brave it, but now he's okay. I'm pretty good. You feeling all right about it? Honestly, I'm glad I did it. It was fun. Yeah. And it tasted like chips. And it's cool to know that it's not that bad. People should try things that scare them. I agree. And especially when you have a little bit of information as to maybe why it's less scary Definitely. than you think. I mean, and, yeah, and be informed, but be scared. For sure. <laughs> be scared. Still and I'll say, I might get a bag, actually. Really? Yeah, because I, I do a lot of driving, and it's nice to have something to munch on. Sure. You know? Have you heard of candy? Just gonna throw that out there for you. Have you heard of any other food? Well, now I can do something for the environment while I drive, while I'm polluting <laughs> out of the back of my car. At least inside of my car, I'm doing something to help offset that a little. So you throw the cricket box out the window. You're like, I'm helping the environment. Just toss it out the window. With my car. It's a '97, so it's like barely passing emissions. Is it still passing yes, the emissions? It is test? still. I love this car. That car is going to get rid of me before I get rid of it. Harry, right, that actually. means your car is going to have to co-host this podcast, and I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm ready for that with the emissions it's letting out. The car has been through a lot, but the car has been very good to me. In fact, uh, the car is a better person than I am. I still feel like it's, you're right, it's going to get rid of you. And I don't want to wish anything ill, so I don't even want to go down this train of thought. But I just feel like if anything bad ever did happen, like anyway, yeah, and there was a box of crickets next to the guy, so we don't know what this weirdo was up to anyway. (laughs) He's driving a 25-year-old car that's clearly been through hell. I do take Eating care bugs. of it. I, you know, I get oil changes regularly. Oh, good. Transmission fluid. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I live in the city, so I like having a car I don't have to worry about getting scratched or anything like that. Like, if somebody go scratch my car right now, I wouldn't even notice that it's bad. Sure. Like, it wouldn't bother me. Going out to the sub. So, yeah, I'm going to be 43 this month, right? So, all of my friends are, you know, married with kids and, you know, they live, have a home in the suburbs. And when I go to their, like, barbecues or something... Sure, I, you know, I'm pulling up with an old car, and it's like, guys, I'm an accountant, I swear. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, <laughs> totally broke. I mean, I'm not making Chicago Symphony Orchestra money. No, who is? Then, <laughs> um, I'm starting to feel embarrassed now. I never thought about it, but I don't want to be, hey, guys, this is my buddy Hari. He, uh, he eats bugs and drives a 30-year-old vehicle. <laughs> like, I feel like... <laughs> You're the guy we're warned about. You're the one if something ha- Oh, the guy was wearing cardigans in 90 degree weather? He turned out to be a weirdo? He hasn't worn shorts in 30 years. What the fuck is wrong with that guy? That's- <laughs> uh, today was a lot of fun. I will say one thing, and I keep saying today's a lot of fun. I don't know why I keep trying to wrap this. Um, I will say one thing. I just hope the end wasn't disappointing because <laughs> we like prefaced with like barf bags and you know what I mean? Like this is just in James. I uh, was making noises the whole time, and they were hilarious, and I felt like we were torturing him. I think, and then the he opposite. tries it, and he's like, "These were amazing." I think it really justifies ju- what Julie is doing. It, yeah, it, that, that you have a person like like James, for example, who was really like mm-hmm. really wary. Which I was actually extra impressed that you were willing to do it, but yeah, was cool. really wary about what was going to happen. I mean, by it's evidenced by the the barf bags that he brought in, <laughs> <laughs> and then he was he downed the whole package faster than we did. So. I feel like uh, 
I feel like there's something here. Completely agree. And James, how many podcasts do you produce? Oh, God, I can't even keep Take count. Take a guess. Over 20. Is this the weirdest shit you've had to do so far? So far, yeah. All right. Dude. We're just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't thank everyone for listening. And uh, if you guys have been enjoying it so far, please do us a big favor. Uh, wherever you listen to the podcast, at, go and leave us a review. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, anything you can. We really appreciate the help there. Uh, you can find us all over social media as well at PodcastWDWK. That is at PodcastWDWK on Twitter and Instagram. Our email is PodcastWDWK. UK at gmail.com again all of that podcast WDWK for what do we know on behalf of Harry Rao I'm Jim Flanagan James as always thank you very much for having us here today this was a lot of fun uh, again please rate review and subscribe and uh, this is what do we know we'll see you again next week <laughs>